Hi, welcome to Life After Choice, Caffeine Convos, where we discuss abortion-related issues from a biblical point of view. Good morning, husband. Good morning, wife. Uh, we just went to see the Jesus Revolution movie last night, and it was interesting to imagine that there might be at least some segment of the youth population that might be influenced toward revival at this time because the movie happens to come out at the same time as we're experiencing this Asbury University experience, which is, we hear it's spreading throughout the country and even the world. And the topic on my mind today has to do with the transmission of meaning. One of the things we do as parents is we transmit meaning to the next generation. And one thing that happens with a generation that chooses to eradicate their children is that they are choosing not to transmit meaning to the next generation. And it occurs to me that one of the reasons that they might do this or consider that this is an option is because they have no meaning to transmit. And this is the symptom of a godless life that when you do not have a sense of the value that you have in terms of what we learn the human value is from the, 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 the Hebrew Bible, which is that human beings are made in the image of God. We are the pinnacle of his creation and are intended to reflect his glory. His, we, we are to be his ambassadors. We are uh, his image bearers, and that's quite a great responsibility. It is a purpose all within itself. And um, when you don't have that, and you don't have a sense of your purpose in life, which, of course, the, the, the schools and the various elements of culture have been teaching young people for a whole generation now that there is no purpose and that they have no purpose and that they are uh, just flotsam and empty matter floating through the universe. You can make your own reality. Yes, self-designed purpose, self-designed meaning, which ends up being a bit shallow, and also the whole quest for meaning in places where you're not going to find it, like in sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and so on. Or maybe it's transmitting nihilism. Yes, the meaning that they're transmitting is one that... Meaninglessness. Meaninglessness, which really does does not, not that lead just to death. I mean... Which leaves those young people seeking meaning, seeking true meaning, which was happening in the 60s where this movie was about. And in the, in the shadow of, 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 uh, of deprivation that we, we have in, in our society today, uh, as much like it was in the 60s, war was happening, people were being killed, it was uh, it, it, the cities were burning and and people were tuning out and dropping acid and all this stuff. They were searching for meaning because the world around them was was meaninglessness. And so I I sense a similar period of time now. Yeah, there was a strong strain of anti-authoritarianism and sort of tearing down the structures and. Uh, disrespect for history and authority and a lot of things happened in the 60s. I've heard you say before that you don't think it's any worse now than it was then. To me it seems worse, but 
It was terrible then. Cities were aflame. Our our politicians were being killed. We don't see that. We're not there yet. Right. We had assassinations going on right and left. But and federal buildings were being bombed weekly. I, I, but there's a there's a certain spiritual deprivation that exists now. I think is as dark as it was then, which leads me to believe that in that this, this darkest moment, there is uh, a light that can shine and can be distinct because it's so dark. I think one of the most moving moments in that movie of the Jesus Revolution that we saw last night is when Lonnie Frisbee is explaining to Chuck Smith that the young people are desperate and they're seeking meaning. They're seeking the truth. Just because they're seeking it in the wrong places doesn't mean that they aren't seeking. And as we see from what happened in the Jesus People movement, there was a huge hunger that was filled with the truth of who Jesus is. Well, may it be so. May there be awakening and revival today because we need it. As we look at how abortion is related to all this history, um, where, do you, where do you see the intersection there? Well, that, the, dark, the darkness that I see today, which was as dark as it was in the 60s, is this idea of of destroying life, destroying the elderly, destroying the the young with abortion. And even in Canada now, they're allowing for young people to opt for suicide. When you say young people, you actually mean legal minors. Yes. Yeah, which is insane. It's the sort of thing that we see even with transgender, where people who are really not qualified to make decisions for their own lives are being expected to make life decisions that are irreversible and have lifelong butchering uh, lifelong damage but there's a light that can shine through this darkness I think that that in our darkest moments is when the light can be seen the brightest and when people are void of hope and they see that light they'll move toward it and that's where the revival comes in because when all the messages are are dark and foreboding and you have a message of light and hope people will gravitate to it the bible talks about a famine of the word and when people are starving they will go to where they can eat And the Bible, the Hebrew Bible and its message of salvation and hope and a home for the homeless and a family for the lonely and acceptance for those who are cast out and rejected, that is deep, deep nourishment. That is food that lasts. And the Ten Commandments is a cradle that holds those who are lost. It, it holds them by constraining them. It gives them a, a virtual cradle of meaning that they can, they, can behold, they can hold fast to. And actually, the Apostle Paul 
tells us that all those commandments boil down to just one, which is love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, Jesus said, so you also should love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, he says. So we demonstrate this love, and that is where we are supposed to provoke this hunger in the starving during the famine of the word. Love is attraction. Love is it. People need to be loved. People want to be loved. And people have experienced imperfect love, the imperfect love of the neglectful father or the selfish mother or the, uh, the boyfriend or girlfriend who ended up betraying. We have countless examples in our lives of imperfect love. And even those who love us the best can't do it perfectly. But yet there is a hunger in us to be loved perfectly. And so, as C.S. Lewis would say, that the fact that there's the hunger for it means that somewhere there must be a way to satisfy that hunger just as a physical hunger for food indicates that there is something that will fill that hunger, and that is food. In the same way, we know just by the presence of the hunger for perfect love that there is something that will fill that hunger. And where there's a, a dryness, a, a, a sense of, um, of not having, and it's thorough through the community, that dryness is easily caught on fire by the by the truth. When the truth is is um, illuminated and people see it, the, the wildfire will start. I think, and it, it it it'll go a long way in healing our nation. But again, I I have to come back to this this question of the destroying of of uh, our children as being a reflection of a meaninglessness, that there is no legacy to give them, so destroy them. But I think that also goes back to the mother and father that make this choice to abort, that they have no legacy themselves. They have no meaning. They have no rock to stand on that would give them any impetus to pass on the beauty and the richness of meaning to, to a next generation and the stultifying, the truncating of the generations is what we're seeing. There seems to be a, a circular pattern of, of, of generations who become um, enamored with God, such as the Jesus movement in the 60s. And that um, gives way to um, um, staid church attendance to the next generation of of um, of dropout of the church uh, to the um, the darkness that comes from nihilism, and then the uh, the revival comes and they're rejuvenated again. It seems to be a generational circular product so you could say that we're kind of in the winter of the generations right now and we are looking at a, a at, at the buds on the trees this february as we coming to you 
audience, it's February and we're seeing all the beautiful fruit trees in bloom. So what you seem to be saying is that the generation that is showing signs of budding and blossoming is pointing to a season of flourishing, a season of revival. Revival, there's that word. You know, I, I happen to be, you know, we're sitting in a parking lot right here recording and um, there's a U-Haul truck in front of me and through this whole thing I've been looking at the picture you know how the U-Haul trucks have these pictures on them now there's big paintings that cover the sides this one is a representation of a butterfly and I can't help but think that that's very apt for this that we're talking about today because um, the winter holds the promise of spring and bloom and new life and the, the cocoon or the, the, the ugly little caterpillar holds the promise of a beautiful, beautiful... Bright tomorrow. Bright tomorrow with little orange wings and just the beauty of the butterfly. The butterfly's purpose. What is the butterfly's purpose but to glorify the beautiful artistry of God and just be what it is and say here I am, one of God's creatures that he painted with his own hand and designed down to the minutest detail so that I could embody his beauty, his artistry, his creativity in the, the works that he made on this earth. How can we look at a butterfly without marveling? And the stranger that you meet is waiting for you to say, Jesus loves you. I thought you were going to say um, that the stranger that you meet is as beautiful and as multifaceted and as perfectly designed as the butterfly. That too. That's how we're called to love them. And how do we love them? We, we express our love by doing what you just said, which is sharing the good news of the salvation of Jesus Christ with them. They're hungry. They're they're destitute in their soul and they're waiting for someone such as you to step up and say, did you know that Jesus loves you? That's a good message. Well, um, I would say that there is meaning to be had in being a child of God. Be a part of the revival. Yes. And have that awareness and that consciousness that your purpose and the meaning and the legacy that you can transmit to your children or to the next generation or to that to that lonely and hungry stranger that you encounter is the meaning that comes from the love of God who loved you to the point that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us that he hung on the cross and took the punishment that was due to us sinful humans so that we could live with him eternally sit at his table, eat with him, commune with him, fellowship with him. And have abundant life. And have, yes, that beautiful, that beautiful life that he has, life from the dead. That's what revival is. So listeners, thank you for listening in on our conversation in the car today. And we just uh, pray that you experience that revival. And we'll see you next time on Life After Choice Caffeine Convos. Goodbye. Like, share, and subscribe. Visit us at prepareroom.com and learn more about these foundlings images at thefoundlings.net. Support us at givesendgo.com slash preparearoomministries.